Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Here's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. We are live uh, this weekend from Nashville. This is a nice change of pace from the studio, isn't it, it Brad? Is, yeah, I like Very it. nice. We are here at the American Advertising Federation's big event. It is the uh, uh, actually expecting more than a thousand folks uh, here, marketing professionals. The one hundredth national conference. Now it just goes to, to make me wonder, what did they do a hundred years ago? You know, very small crowd. I think so. Because two people got together. We've got a bunch of uh, folks uh, joining us today. The advertising show is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. Advertising show is a big radio uh, midgets uh, production. And, you know, this event is a production of sorts, isn't it? I mean, a lot of people behind the scenes to make this thing happen, and we are uh, happy to have one of the, the guys here, uh, Billy Mann. I mean, many people in the advertising industry don't know Billy. Yeah. That's it, because he's not in the advertising well, industry. Well, he, today he's going to be because yeah, while we wait on uh, Wally Snyder, <laughs> president and CEO of the American Advertising Federation, and as Ray pointed out, this is a live show. We can't think of any better stand-in. Than Billy Mann. Yeah, now Billy was working the forklift here last evening, right, Billy? Right. Yeah, are you from Nashville? No, I'm out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte, oh, beautiful city, Charlotte, North beautiful. Carolina. Now, we noticed that on the back of your uh, forklift, Ray and I were both confused. There's a stainless steel cylinder type thing. We thought it was a keg, and we kept trying to put our glass underneath there, but there was nothing coming out. What exactly <laughs> is that? That's uh, gas butane. Butane. So that's what drives the actual uh, forklift. Right. How long have you been doing this, uh, Bill? Mm, I've been working on the trade show business for about 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and I know Ray and I were talking before we went on the air today that uh, there's a lot of unsung heroes uh, behind the scenes that never get credit. Billy is one of them. Well, he just got credit. What are you trying to so, do? Give top, him the yank here? You're trying to get him off? Billing is what oh, he well, got, that's yeah. true. And by the way, if you happen to see Wally Snyder, uh, Billy, when you're out there, he's the honcho here with the American Ad Federation. Yeah, wait, uh, wait, wait, tell wait. him that you sat in. This for is him. what he looks like, Billy. Yeah, right just in case you want to see that, in case you see him. <laughs> All right. You're a much more <laughs> handsome guy than he is. Look at him. He's old. Yeah. Anyway, That's true. Yeah. glad he's not here to hear this. Uh, but anyway, you know, I could ask you his questions, but then you'd just be kind of winging it. So, you know, I've got some other questions I'd like to ask you, which is some questions that I always say for for when I really need questions but don't know what to ask. And and they're they're, they're questions that help us get to know you. For example, what is your favorite sound? My favorite sound. Hello golf ball when I hit it. <laughs> that's very good. Yeah, now, see, now, Billy's in my crowd here. That's, that's right. right. That's right. And uh, if you were not doing the business you're doing right now, working at trade show events, what, what would you be doing? Your ideal career job. Mm. We going back to the golf again? Going back to the golf. Tra- just travel. <laughs> just travel. Traveling, traveling yeah, while we play golf. And then, uh, what uh, what word what word do you hate most? You can't do something. That's good. People yeah. try to say they can't do can't something, right. and that's the biggest obstacle right, right there. there you go. <laughs> and you know, one final question before we wrap it up here: 
if heaven exists i think we all agree that it does and you arrive at the pearly gates what would you like to hear god say to you you're welcome <laughs> that's ray in my line that's a, come on in boys where you been been waiting for you yeah well, well that's billy, good billy thanks for jumping up here with us here very good. Nice Absolutely. to have met you. Yes. And now you've met a whole bunch of other people. Be yeah, ladies and gentlemen, Billy uh, Mann, the man behind the scenes. Thank you uh, very much, Billy. Appreciate it. Billy's going to let us drive the forklift a little bit later on, yeah. too, right? That was the trade-off. That was the trade-off. Thanks, Billy. <laughs> on the advertising show, we've got uh, – what I want to do here is uh, bring on uh, one of our folks that we have as a regular uh, guest here on the advertising show, Jonathan Margolis, Guerrilla Marketing for the uh, 21st Century. Let's, uh, let's bring him on right now, and we'll be back in just a minute. More. It's time for Jonathan Margolis with Guerrilla Marketing for the 21st Century. One of the interesting things about the non-traditional segment of the marketing advertising industry is that we don't work with an established set of rules like other ad agencies do. There's no universal measurement tool, no rate card we can all work from. A while back, there was a movement to come up with a universal tool to measure event marketing campaigns in particular. AdAge said it came from agencies struggling to define and measure a growing number of non-traditional media forms that are steadily gaining share in the media mix. Perhaps as time goes by and traditional agencies continue to incorporate non-traditional tactics into their campaigns, we will start seeing official definitions of words like guerrilla, grassroots, and stealth. Perhaps there'll be a governing organization which will standardize non-traditional tactics in campaigns and create precise tools for the measurement of their success. Personally, I feel our own preference for change and oddity will prevent us from ever establishing a formal set of rules and guidelines. We're merely a product of our own environment and will continue to defy convention to get attention because that's what makes for good marketing. Wasn't it the standardization of the advertising and marketing world that brought about non-traditional and guerrilla tactics in the first place? Look, if we're all the same and standardized, then how do we expect to stand out? For now, this is Jonathan Margolis for The Advertising Show reminding you, it's a jungle out there. Be a gorilla. This has been Guerrilla Marketing for the 21st Century with your host, Jonathan Margolis, president of the Michael Allen Group. To learn more about Jonathan and his company, log on to michael-allen.com. It's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth live from Nashville, and we have a very special guest here right now, Wally Snyder. Let me tell you a little bit about Wally. President and CEO of the American Advertising Federation, Wally serves as the AAF's uh, chief spokesperson representing 50,000 members. That's a big organization, Wally, including 130 corporate members, uh, 210 local ad federations, 210 college chapters. And prior to uh, joining the AAF, Wally was the associate director for advertising practices at the FTC Bureau of Consumer Protection. Sounds that makes you an FBI agent? Well, yeah. I have to disclose it makes me a lawyer. You're not you're not deep throat, He's are you? He's a recovering no. lawyer. No, no, I'm not a lawyer. You're not deep throat. I'm not deep throat, but I'm a lawyer. <laughs> Actually, he served as a principal advisor of the FTC on advertising issues. A 16-year veteran of the FTC, mm-hmm. and uh, we're happy to have you here. This is a lot of great things going on here in Nashville. You said it was going to be good, Damn. and Wally, you were right. Great. I just came from uh, the music marketing panel that's going on upstairs, and it's, it's just well attended. And uh, Frank Cooper from PepsiCo is moderating that. And they're, what they're doing is 
they're showing great video, but then they're showing how much different it is with great audio, with the music. You know, hey, what a concept. How huh? that changes the entire feeling of everything. So how neat. We're, all, we're off and running. You know, we you hope know. to have Frank on the show. I believe we have him scheduled for tomorrow. Yeah, uh, I think he, he's on. Yeah, he'll be on. Yeah, and, uh, you know, a lot's been said about uh, branding and the emotion, uh, emotional uh, attachment to branding as opposed to pure branding as it was not so many years ago. Who would have ever thought that a year later that we'd be talking about all the changes that are going on in the advertising business? Uh, uh, branded entertainment seems to be a, a very popular thing today. It was popular uh, a year ago as well when we last had you on the show. In fact, I, I think it was more referred to as product placement than as opposed to branded entertainment. Uh, what can you tell us some of the more cutting-edge things that are going on in branded entertainment today? You know, um, it's, it's growing. Uh, it's good. It, it really was product placement, which has been around for years. And, you know, we looked at some of those old, listened to some of the old radio programs, mm-hmm. and you got branded you got product placement all over the place. Now it's getting very sophisticated, and it's all meant to have that consumer feel very good about that product mm-hmm. when they're doing something else. And if you go back just in the last year since we were here, the Oprah Winfrey show, where, wow, you talk about brand entertainment, they give away 130 Pontiacs. Mm-hmm. Now, that was big thinking because I think General Motors to start with was We'd like to give away some cars on your show. And they said, sure, we'll talk about that. And then what I'm told is, a week or two before the show, uh, the producer calls up and said, hey, we've got this great idea. We want to give everybody in the audience a car. And I think they went, well, okay. But within, and that cost them, I think, $7 million. Within hours, they had twice that much value in in image mm-hmm. and branded publicity sure, and the whole thing. A lot was written about that. A lot it was controversial at the time. I think it really did let uh, help the brand take off. And uh, you know, since you mentioned product placement and with your background mm-hmm. with the FTC, a lot's been uh, mentioned of uh, concerns about product placement and that that the, some trade groups, uh, not us, but some trade groups think that they should have on the screen flashing on there or have some kind of credit when a product placement actually happens. Uh, Ray and I have talked about this before on the show. We think the consumer uh, is a little smarter than that, and they really don't need to be told that. But on the other hand, I I understand their argument. What do you think? Where where do you stand on that? I'm with you. (laughs) Now, I think that um, having spent time at the Federal Trade Commission, that they're only going to be concerned if there's some misrepresentation. The consumer is some way doesn't understand the advertisement. But they're not going to be concerned that uh, that products are being shown in a favorable light. Uh, and I think you're exactly right. Consumers understand what's going on, and I think they pretty much like it. Now, it's like anything else. If we overdo this, you know, the line will be drawn, and we'll have to back off and back away from it. But right now, I think it's, it's, it's expanding. I think people are happy with it. And, well, I mean, their whole programs now build around products. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, one area that I think started all this controversy is when uh, a famous actress was on a morning show, and she uh, claimed to talk about a drug and the upside of the drug, and come to find out she was a spokesman for the drug company. But we'll say more about that. Back in just a minute on the advertising show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. 
Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth here uh, live out of Nashville at the American Advertising Federation's uh, 100th anniversary national convention. Wally Snyder's with us. We never asked Wally if he knows how to drive a forklift, do you? Um, I probably, you, you probably wouldn't want me doing that. <laughs> you know, listening to the uh, classic commercial there, Polaroid Swinger, now that was actually back when it was not a lifestyle but a camera. Yes. That's a very interesting time yeah. that we all remember. I wanted to... Uh, jump into a, a subject that a lot of people are talking about today. You know, we are in a shifting world of, of control. The consumer is in much more control today than they were just a few years ago, both in information flow and even media exposure. The, the, the desire to pull media towards one as opposed to being having it pushed out is certainly where the world is going today. I, I'm curious, uh, Wally, how, how do you think building a brand uh, is different today than the way it was maybe just as recent as a few years ago? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a really good question. I think that in the one hand, now we're really trying to find that consumer when he or she wants to buy a particular product, and that's a hot time to get them. Uh, you, you know, when you're looking for an automobile uh, or a major appliance, you start looking at those ads, and you'll start investing some of your own time you know, looking for them. So you hit maybe you see this um, ad in the newspaper for BMWs today leased the 300 series at a rate you say wow I can afford that that's the only ad I need and you go lease the car and then you say that's all it took for me but what it actually took was a lot of branding ads that wanted me to buy that BMW car mm-hmm. and so I think you really have to do both of those things you cannot forego the classic branding ads that make people want to identify with the product. But there's a lot more sophistication today about driving that consumer to the information. Right. I think and with respect to automotive, a lot of people think the only way to drive them there is with a specific uh, price point, and I don't necessarily believe that. And I think that it's, it's if, much I, more. Yeah, if I really want to buy that car, that's mm-hmm. my brand, I'm going to really try to find a way to do it. Now, I may look a lot of different places for it, and I might go on the Internet, and I might... But but I think you're right. I think that for automobile, branding is very important on how that connects with my personality and what It really is. It's an important purchase. Yeah, yeah you know, Willie, you... you uh, uh, Wally, I'm sorry. You have a... Uh, that was our first guest, excuse me. Uh, you have a, a unique position in that you get to interface with some of the most powerful people in advertising as well as not only on the agency side but on the client side as well. I'm curious, what, what are you hearing among uh, the peers uh, that you speak to out there in the in the business as far as some of the bigger challenges facing the advertising industry today? Uh, well, I think that the, everyone understands that there's a great deal of flux and change in advertising today. And you'll have people like David Verklin from Cora North America who will say more change in the last two years and five years before that. I think there's been probably more in this last year than there were two years before that. And so everybody is trying to stay ahead of the curve. And the big challenge is to make sure that we're meeting up with these consumers in high-integrity, useful advertising for them. Um, big challenge right now is there's a lot of advertising yeah, and, you know, we, we talk about also uh, celebrity endorsements seem to be a hot thing right now. And we question whether, in some cases, a celebrity endorsement is really just a lazy way out as opposed to sometimes picking the right celebrity and getting that celebrity aligned with your product or service that has relevance 
relevance to what the celebrity stands for and relevance to the product or service that happens to be aligned with that particular celebrity. What are your thoughts on it? Do you see more thought going into celebrity endorsements today than maybe five years ago? I think that there's always going to be a concern that the celebrity will add something to that brand and is consistent with the brand in the consumer's mind. I mean, you could have a great endorser for a product that's directed to an entirely different age group. And so it has to be someone that the audience is going to identify with. And I think the audience understands this is an identity issue, not I'm using it because they use it. So it has to be done. But I think we've had great rules of endorsement for a long time. We're going to take a break here, Wally, on the Advertising Show. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe live from the American Advertising Federation event here in Nashville. It's a big event going on for a few days. We'll talk with more folks in just a moment. So stay right here. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Hi, I'm Joe, and this is Tommy, and we love Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. Great! All right, one more. Come on, come on. Great! Good, good, good. We uh, head into the wilderness every fall to uh, get in touch with our Tony, our masculine beast within. Great! Yeah, there's a, there's a weight shift. You start over here, grr, and then A. Great! Good, good. Now do it again, but don't look awkward. Well, I guess we're back here on the advertising show. It's Rachel and Brett Forsythe. You know, isn't live radio fun? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, from Nashville, what a beautiful city. The last time we had to, the chance to speak with this beautiful lady, it was in Dallas, and it was uh, last year, last May, right? Well, in the flesh. We had her on the radio show, I believe. Is In person. Year, That's yeah. what I was talking about. Mary Bennett, Executive uh, VP and Marketing Division of the Radio Advertising Bureau. Who doesn't know about the Radio Advertising Bureau? It's big, and it's good. Mary's uh, broadcast career, and if you don't know her, I want to tell you about her, uh, has spent over a quarter of a century. But you're so young, Mary. Uh, as uh, six radio formats, a stint as short-form uh, programming provider, and finally to her current marketing role uh, with the Radio Industry Association, REB. Uh, although most of her career was in sales management and station management in Detroit, uh, she also spent three years as VP and general manager of Shamrock Broadcasting uh, in Houston. In her current position, Mary represents over 40 radio formats, extolling the asset values of radio advertising and serving as a resource to uh, national advertisers and agencies. Hello, Mary. Hello, Ray. How are you? Sorry we're out of time, Mary. That's a yeah. long right. bio. I really enjoyed being with you. and. <laughs> yeah, and what was the time? Before we uh, jump into some uh, topics that were discussed, let, first of all, what was the name of your uh, conference that you just finished earlier today? What was the title of that? The, the title of that was Personal Relevance, Personal Connections. Yeah. And it's part of the Radio Ad Effectiveness Lab effort. Right. Uh, one of three consumer research studies that we have launched over the last 10 month period, actually, which has been rather a Herculean effort. Yeah. yeah uh, and who, who, who participated in that? Uh, um, well, first of all, the, the background on Riel is that it's funded by the broadcast industry, mm-hmm. but it's also comprised, maybe more importantly for this audience, of advertisers, agencies, as well as broadcasters who determine the direction of all of our projects 
and any of the research, consumer research projects that we undertake. Right. And the goal is really to help people, advertisers and agencies, and broadcasters have a better understanding of what drives radio's effectiveness, and then hopefully allow advertisers and agencies to monetize that those results. And if you're an advertiser and you're hearing this for the first time, you would access this through your relationship with your broad- local broadcaster? Well, or? actually, we have a free website, mm-hmm. uh, radioadlab.org. You can also access or link to that site from a number of the radio station companies' uh, proprietary websites, as well as the REB website at rabmarketing.com. Very good. So, you know, it's free information, and it's out there for people to utilize, so we're hoping they tune into it. Well, that's outstanding. The first study was released in August 2004, second study in December 2004. I assume we're speaking now of the third study that was just released? Well, actually, at this show, we're doing two sessions, one on the first study, one on the second. I see. And Tuesday morning, bright and early in New York, Tuesday the 7th, we have a press conference scheduled at the Yale Club, and we are releasing the results of the third study. And what little high highlight teaser can you give us which would be a preview to what's going to be talked about on your on Tuesday that won't really let it all out but just a little highlight for our audience the, we promise uh, the, we the, won't tell anybody the yeah. third of yeah. these three studies looked at ROI and what happens with the the monetary investment when it's allocated in a sufficient enough amount in radio then it can be measured and uh, all, my, my only little tease is, is that we were pleased with the results that we saw, and we think that some advertisers might be surprised at how well radio conducted itself in the study. So it wasn't. is there also some information in terms of how to get a better ROI, in terms of some strategy that's offered, or is it more of a study of retrospective? It's a Millward Brown IRI study, which looks at actual sales effects mm-hmm. as well as pre- and post-surveys. I see. You know, Clear Channel uh, last year announced a uh, less is more initiative that's basically taking 60-second radio spots and converting their advertisers to 30. That's a that's an easy way of saying what they're wanting to do or what they're having uh, underway currently. There's mixed reviews about the effectiveness of that. I know it was talked about in your conference today. If you were to believe uh, what you're seeing, Wall Street's reaction to Clear Channel's effort, it's, it's not favorable. They, Clear Channel, have admitted that they're... Uh, expecting uh, earnings to be down again uh, this quarter. So what was talked about? Hit on the highlights and, you know, give us your take on this uh, 60 versus 30 controversy. Sure. First of all, for the Less is More initiative from Clear Channel, I think this issue of what would happen with their revenues as they change the model was something that they anticipated. In a broader view and from the opinion of advertisers and agencies, and interestingly enough, this is the first question that came up in our, TF, in our um, Q&A today, was tell us what you think about 60s and 30s. And pretty much across the board from the agencies and the advertisers who were on our panel, there seemed to be a general consensus that there is not one size fits all, that there are situations where you need a 60 possibly fewer of those situations than we have traditionally thought, and that what we really have to focus on first is the effectiveness of the measure and then allow the cost efficiencies or the CPM from the campaign to follow and not the reverse. Hmm. There's also been some interesting studies that have been done since um, Clear Channel launched the initiative, one by Burke, which clearly indicated that the length of the commercial, be it a 60 or a 30 or a 15, 
is not relevant to the effectiveness of the commercial. There are other elements like production, like the interest level for the product that have more to do with the interest level and the recall than length alone. Is that assuming an optimized schedule at a level that hits minimum or optimum levels of reach and frequency? I believe that the Burke study was done surely as a call out for recall, persuasion, and other measurements that are based on a first time or maybe two time exposures. These aren't in market studies where they're looking at product sales, et cetera, like we were able to do with IRI. And I know you're accustomed to looking at hard data and making your interpretation. I'm going to ask you to put your futuristic hat on for a moment. The radio business has long been a group of followers. One takes a lead and the others follow in. Number one, do you think that this 30 versus 60 conversion or 60 versus 30 conversion will actually take place and play itself out as Clear Channel hopes? And number two, should that be the case, will others follow in after? Well, I think that there is already some interest in people pursuing that. I think that there in general is, especially with younger demos that tend to be a little attention deficit oriented. Yeah, exactly. How long can I pay attention to this commercial? I do think that there are going to be more companies that look at that. I think a lot of people are watching very closely what Clear Channel has undertaken with this effort. There are some radio groups who are extremely, very verbally supportive of the effort, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Again, I don't think it's just the 60 against the 30 and it stands alone by itself. We have pod length. We have the number of pods per hour. We have the number of spots per pod, and I think all of these factors will play into whether or not it's successful. And since you say pod, you set me up for the podcasting questions, the satellite radio questions. We're talking about technology and the changing world of radio and the impact that technology is having on radio. For those that may not be familiar, just kind of hit on those influences that are changing the landscape of radio and what your take is on some of these Sure. If anybody's watching this on video, they're probably looking at me saying, we're talking about technology. What is this woman smiling about? And two years ago, I might not have smiled if people asked me about the technology challenges for radio. But in reality, there's a lot going on in this arena that's pretty exciting. This morning in our session, we were surprised that there was hardly anybody in the room who had ever heard of HD radio. That's high-definition radio, which used to be referred to as IBOC. It is becoming a reality this year now that it's approved by the FCC. There are over 500 radio stations currently licensed who are switching to this technology. And the beauty of it is, unlike HDTV, the transition is pretty seamless. So what you aren't going to see if you have a regular radio that doesn't pick up HD is any quirks or glitches in what you hear. But if you bought the new product, and by the way, we gave away a new HD radio this morning. If you buy the product, what you have is FM quality going up to CD standard. AM quality coming up to current FM, FM standards. FM standard, yeah, isn't that um, signal improvement. Mm-hmm. Improvement with static, but maybe even more importantly, some data and audio services that uh, to date have not been available on standard radio. And, you know, some have suggested that the podcasting that is all the, all the rage right now is actually going to leapfrog over satellite and that one day we will all go to our personal computer and download a particular program or series of programs that we want to hear according to our time frame from a little device that you go plug into your car radio. 
uh, and and that that satellite will be just something that happened for a short while and goes away. What do you what's well, your take on th- it? There are some reads that both iPod and also the ability to start streaming or downloading radio programming onto a cell phone will be a bigger challenge for satellite than it will be for terrestrial radio. Uh, last month in San Francisco, Infinity Radio launched the first podcast-based radio station in the country, KYOU, KU Radio, and basically it's listeners putting together podcasts, and that's the format of the radio station. At the same time, there are a couple of companies, Infinity included, and I believe Clear Channel also, who are working deals with Nokia or other mobile phone companies for streaming or downloads of their programming to the cell phone. That's interesting because... Part of our uh, content, what do we have, a couple minutes left here, Ray? Yeah, about a couple. Right. Yeah, uh, part of our content today that we were going to talk about was Infinity Broadcasting and Chairman CEO Joel Hollander's uh, announcement that all nine all-news radio stations are now going to be offering free daily podcasts to listeners yep. featuring the day's top local and national news, sports, business, and entertainment headlines. And we're talking about radio stations such as WINS New York, WCBS New York, KNX Los Angeles, WBBM Chicago, and other major market stations. So I guess, uh, you know, I knew podcasting was uh, hot because Ray and I have had some guests, but when you begin to hear that newspapers are having their young That's right. Uh, uh, right. people wake up at 3 in the morning and, and, and begin to voice a, uh, a, a streamed announcement that can be downloaded from a, a PC, which is, I think, a smart way that the newspapers have finally figured out how to attract a younger audience. Yeah. What are your thoughts yes. on that? Well, it is interesting, and I have to give a lot of credit to the radio industry. It, it's a medium that many times over in the last 75 years has had to adapt or recreate itself. And to a large extent, I think they moved into this window much faster than anybody anticipated they would. And while some people think that the HD radio is in response to satellite and some of these other technological issues, MP3, in reality, HD radio has been 12 to 15 years in the making, much of which much of which rested upon FCC approval of the technology. Hmm. So while the timing of the rollout is such, it's really something that's been in the background and in play for quite a while. And the podcasting is just fascinating. To watch stations adapting to it this quickly has really been a pleasure. Well, I guess this is where we plug the fact that uh, the advertising show and all of our archives are converting to RSS streams and will be able to be podcast uh, and downloaded uh, to a uh, portable device here very soon in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Shipple Technologies, our partner, is in the process of doing that. And one final note on radio. You know, a lot of media out there uh, have, uh, let's face it, have, have lost market share. For example, daily newspapers have lost market share. Broadcast television isn't what it once was as the as the powerhouse. Cable is fragmenting the broadcast market, and yet radio stands firm. It's still as strong as it always Absolutely. was. Absolutely. Mary, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Ray. Thank On the you, Advertising Ray. Show, Ray Shellen's Brad Forsyth back uh, for not, uh, well, the rest of this hour as well as next hour, live here from Nashville at the American Advertising Federation, uh, 100th anniversary celebration. Lots of good stuff to talk about today, and we hope you stay with us. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Yes, Raid. New bug killer discovery from Johnson's Wax. 
Raid contacts and kills all kinds of bugs indoors. Raid hunts them down like radar. President and CEO of BBDO in New York. John joined BBDO in uh, 91 as an AE on Diet Pepsi and has been actively involved with many of the agency's clients, including GE, Singular, and Master Foods. Uh, we also have Steve Patico. Did I say that right? You did. That was great. Thank you very much. Steve is Managing Director of Advertising at FedEx, a company built on the shoulders of great advertising, widely known as Steve is absolutely, positively on time for his interview. That's true. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Yeah, guys, well, great to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thanks, yeah, guys. Yeah, welcome, welcome to the show. And first off, I guess we're going to have to ask John Osborne if he is uh, just keeping an eye on his client, Steve, or if he really likes him. But we'll save that for the later on in the interview. It was about a year ago, John, that we had you on the show from the plush offices in downtown uh, New York City. And... Gosh, you had just joined BBDO, not joined, but it had just been appointed the president and CEO of the BBDO New York office. I'm curious, under your tenure, have things worked out as you had expected? Any surprises you want to talk about? Any accomplishments? This is the part we call the shameless plug portion of the show. Well, sure. I'm still here, and I'm still alive, so that says something. <laughs> uh, so far, so good. We've had a great year and uh, picked up a couple of big new clients, and uh, more importantly, we've uh, done some great work for the clients that have uh, been with us for a number of years. Yeah, well, and that's certainly the most politically correct answer, having a client sit right next to you, because you, know you know how much good. he cares about those new clients? Not really at all. <laughs> but let's jump into some uh, things happening with the uh, Federal Express account. You know, uh, first of all, how does FedEx use print advertising to absolutely, positively build its brand today? Well, print's always been a part of our program, and, and uh, you know, a bit unfairly, BBDO doesn't get enough credit for some of the great print work they do. Uh, that may seem like, seem like a shameless self-promotion for BBDO, but indeed, we've done more print advertising this year than the uh, last two or three years combined. And part of that's driven by the product mix and how many uh, different things we have to go to market with and, and what print allows us to do with those. Um, secondly is that it's part of the full integration of everything that we're doing. Print certainly has its role in the full integration of the FedEx marketing communications messages. It's just such... Uh, a year that we've had an awful lot of things that work well with print. We've done um, an awful lot of targeted print, and we've had a great year with print. I was just down in Dallas uh, four weeks ago speaking at uh, the Dallas Ad League, their, their magazine day. Uh, and I followed a speaker from the Magazine Publishers Association, who they're also having a good year, as you know. And uh, we were able to show and tell a little bit about uh, some of the great print ads that we've done for FedEx this past year. We're, we're excited about the print work, too. Yeah. And, you know, when people hear print, they naturally think uh, newspaper and the magazine, but you're, you're talking much more uh, strategic print usage. Hit, hit on some of the high points of what you guys use. We do. We've got so many different um, uh, print programs. There's, there's the everyday branding that we do. And, indeed, you'll find this uh, every Monday morning on the front page of USA Today, that little color bar strip that runs across the bottom of the page. and and has so many uh, millions of readers each and every Monday. And so that's, that's a great way for us to, to give something that's timely and topical each week and, and sort of uh, pay that off. And I think also print gives us uh, a great license to go deeper and tell a lot more uh, of a story than perhaps we'd be able to do in television. So as we go deeper into those verticals, um, it gives us a lot of latitude and, and longitude. The other thing is um, we've been tactical with our print this year as well. So uh, as things have happened in pop culture, for example, uh, Ken Jennings having that streak with Jeopardy, we were able to quickly turn around and work with our colleagues at FedEx 
and do some stuff run and gun and get it out there in USA Today to make good use of that uh, that occurrence when he uh, incorrectly uh, answered FedEx uh, uh, for uh, for his final losing answer. Only time FedEx has been the wrong answer. Right? <laughs> Which we're, yeah, and I get and uh, yeah, you know we were talking about uh, uh, celebrity endorsements and moving into a new subject and not a new subject but a hot subject right now, branded entertainment which is uh, today's version of what we used to call product placement. Uh, what role does branded entertainment, Steve, play for Federal Express as far as your overall marketing for 2005? Well, it's, it's a great topic and one that's getting a lot of interest here at this conference and in the industry as a whole these, these past few weeks. John and I are speaking on that subject tomorrow uh, as part of the luncheon session, as you know. And we're excited to be here and talk about that because there's... There's a play for almost every brand, particularly for the FedEx brand. We, you know, we've become part of pop culture in many ways. Um, and if you go back to the December 2000 release of Castaway, that's probably one of the highest regarded examples of a really branding um, in a powerful way uh, a lot of what your messages are and core attributes of your company and what they stand for. Let's hang on to that thought for just a minute as we uh, take a break and wrap up this hour. The Advertising Show brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth and back uh, for another whole hour in just a moment. Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. It's The Advertising Show, hour number two with Ray Shillins, Brad Forsyth, back live from the American Advertising Federation's 100th annual event. As we said before, we wonder what the first one was like. Two people you know. got together. Yeah. Had and they a, said, uh, had a beer. You get over here and take that sandwich board off, maybe we could have a beer. Yeah. And then put it back on. And, hey, while we're at it, why don't we form a club? A sandwich board won an award, too. That's true, because the other guy voted for it. <laughs> That's right. Hey, Ray, so, I just have one, I, I, this is John. I just have one question. Is, yes. You know, we just got in here, but it seems like there are a lot of students walking around, and I guess a lot of students. And I just had a question, because it seems like last night you had invited some of the students up to your room for a chance to earn some extra credit. We were hoping we'd did, get did a little bit more insight on that. Did you up to that? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Which one's the handsome one? Is it Brad or Brad? Where's that, where's that cancel button when you want it? Yeah. You know, it, nah, it put me up to it. Uh, yeah. Thanks a lot. Education. I mean, you gotta, you How much did he pay you to say that? <laughs> Not enough. Not enough, probably so. Talk to my lawyer. Yeah. The Advertising Show brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at age.com. Steve Pacheco uh, is Managing Director of Advert... Pacheco. Pacheco. You yeah. people want to put that hard K on there. Well, I'm from Cleveland. At uh, FedEx. It's okay, Ray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John Osborne is uh, President and CEO of BBDO New York. Can't say Osborne wrong, okay? Correct. Unless you're Ozzy. Yeah, welcome back to the show, guys. Uh, I wanted to uh, ask about the uh, FedEx Kinko's merger. Murder, uh, murder. Hello, merger. Is it going as Somebody well as you? Yeah, well, maybe something's happened. You know, they do have a Kinko's here in this facility. They did charge me a little higher than I thought they should have earlier. I was going to talk to you about that, but we'll leave that for later, uh, Steve. Uh, but anyway, how's how's the uh, relationship going? Is it going as you had expected? It's going really well. It's uh, first of all, it's an acquisition. FedEx acquired Kinko's and all their assets. Uh, a little over 18 months ago. It's going really, really well. All the stores are uh, mostly rebranded now. And uh, small business and big businesses of all sizes, actually, are, are finding FedEx Kinko's a, 
a one-stop shop for all their business solutions needs. Right. That sounds and a little too much like a radio commercial, doesn't it? But uh, the acquisition's going really, really well, uh, and the operation side of things down in Dallas is continuing to grow and do well, uh, getting great feedback about the customer experience inside those stores. And uh, from, from our standpoint, we think that the kickoff advertising and the launch advertising for that uh, newly, newly uh, segmented brand is, is off to a great start. Yeah, and that campaign, Relax, it's FedEx, which was launched in January of this year, targeting small business and showcasing the daily life of an office environment. Very familiar with that. Uh, curious, uh, any change in your branding strategy for FedEx with the marriage of, uh, of the uh, partner? Well, we, you know, we've, we've always got a long-term look at, at all the branding uh, aspects of our business. And, and indeed, FedEx always goes uh, probably another, another curve or two ahead of the curve, if you will. And uh, there's always a three-, five-, and seven-year branding plan out there, uh, ready and willing for any new acquisitions that come into the fold, also to take the existing brands into, into other market areas. And so the, the branding work that we do day in and day out serves us well, both uh, past, present, and future. And I think from an advertising standpoint, what was nice about the FedEx Kinko's acquisition was that it fit neatly into our overarching advertising strategy. If you think of FedEx Kinko's as yet another business solution, um, it fits neatly under the halo of reliability. It's yet another way that FedEx can step up and absolutely positively deliver uh, another service to complement your business uh, your business needs. So other than uh, creating the new campaign targeting small business, it pretty much did not affect the uh, overall strategy for FedEx? Well, in the advertising, we had to be a little bit more um, specific to some of the services that are provided through FedEx Kinkos as a sure. destination. Right. Um, and but we did have we did offer sort of a, a bit of a sub theme um, under the under the heading of our office as your office as that destination. But still, strategically, it fit neatly under the halo under the umbrella of reliability. Mm-hmm. That's good. You know, we always, uh, when are we going to break for uh, Patrick Meyer? We're going to do that in a little bit? Or? Well, why don't we keep on going with okay. this, Brian? You know, yeah. uh, UPS had a complaint against Federal Express Super Bowl commercial top ten, which was uh, taken to the Federal Trade Commission and before the Council of Better Business Bureau National Advertising Division. Steve and John, I'm curious, uh, that spot, just as a reminder, if you don't recall it, it featured Burt Reynolds uh, and his hair. I'm curious, uh, what's the status on that complaint, Steve or John? Was the complaint about his hair? I'm not, I'm not well, sure. Well, both. The hair and, and... your hair looks great, Steve. <laughs> great hair. And, you know, hair. if you would have had Bert go over to UPS, he could have smacked him around a little bit and had that settled pretty quickly, I think. Bert, Bert's a little tense after a mm. uh, press junket for his new movie, the right. remake of The Longest Yard, which uh, he, he would not act out for us on set uh, for whatever reason. I'm not sure why. Uh, we had a great Super Bowl spot, and the Super Bowl spot uh, put FedEx in the... In the crosshairs for a lot of different things. But, you know, FedEx owns reliability today, tomorrow, and every day as far as I'm concerned. And, and we're never going to back away or back down from anything about reliability. It's it's a bit silly, quite honestly. Has it been settled, or is it still under investigation, or do you know where we are with that? Uh, I'm not even clear on where it is. Yeah. We, we don't we don't really talk about that. Yeah, much. I think they got distracted trying to decide if they're going to run disclaimers on product placements, so maybe they've totally forgotten about they're that. They're going to address that after the Michael Jackson trial. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, since he's been in the news a lot, I was going to ask John Osborne, since Pepsi is a uh, BBDO client, if there were any thoughts of bringing back Michael Jackson, since he is pretty much top of mind now. And, uh, gosh, you know, I guess you, all you'd have to do is pay royalties on the old spot Maybe your hair could catch on fire, and then you just kind of tie the whole thing together. And since you have Roy Elvo, who is the uh, director of communications for BBDO here, put it all together, and what do you have? 
a very inexpensive way to repurpose, as we call it in the advertising code. And what a great thing to happen during the convention here. Correct. You know? Maybe perfect. he wants to announce that now. John, what's going on with Pepsi? Cocktail? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, given I'm standing right next to my... Uh, my longtime favorite friend, Mr. Steve Pacheco. I'll just stay focused on FedEx for this yeah. right now. Well, that's, you know, I hear that there's a case <laughs> of Pepsi being FedEx to John Osborne here in Nashville Could right happen. now as we that's speak. Yep. Ray, Ray asked before we came on the air if uh, you have some kind of tracking system that you get to watch your packages differently than we watch ours. Well, we keep up with everything. Somebody's keeping up with me right now, I'm quite sure, too. And, and, uh, <laughs> I saw that whiskey coat on your shirt. <laughs> it doesn't hurt at all. It really doesn't. Just uh, once they scan you, they move right along. You know, we're always working on, on breakthrough, high-tech, cutting-edge stuff, world-class stuff. And, and uh, the day is going to come sooner rather than later where you are going to be able to watch your transits in real time. And that, that's exciting stuff for us. We've got a, a whole group of folks at our World Tech Center in Memphis uh, working night and day on, on some of the coolest whiz-bang technology you've ever seen. And yeah. um, there'll be a day when we'll talk a lot more about that. You know, if people aren't familiar with your background, Steve, uh, you were involved in the creation of FedEx Sunday service, ground and home delivery. Any new additions uh, to the service line that you can share with us that maybe you're going to be announcing anytime soon? Um, stay tuned, as they say in the radio right. business. But we, we have we an call it a scoop on the advertising show, scoop which is a scoop. Okay, yeah. here's a scoop: is that, that FedEx is going to continue to find more um, ways to get your stuff where it needs to be. You know, a lot of what we do is not it's not um, it's not breakthrough. It's the Romans have been doing this for two thousand years. It's just getting stuff from point A to point B. We like to think we do a little better than most people. Uh, and we found a lot of ways to add some value to those services, the information that's involved in the shipping, the uh, the, the full tracking of everything that's uh, in, in whatever mode of transportation that you may have it in. Uh, and we have stuff and systems and processes to move overnight envelopes and regular-sized boxes and even big, heavy stuff, too. And you're going to start seeing and hearing a lot more about how we're able to do that uh, both reliably and, and affordably for an awful lot of people. You know, earlier John uh, had mentioned that you, you guys are – have a fully integrated uh, marketing program underway. A lot of advertising agencies claim to be able to do a full integration for their clients. Few can seem to pull it off. BBDO, I count as one that can. Uh, with you having such an online presence and importance to the overall uh, operational component to FedEx, what role does the Internet play in branding for, for FedEx? Well, quick quick comment on that, and I'll throw it to John, because um, you know before John took over the presidency of BBDO New York, he was uh, head of their integration efforts at BBDO, and, and I think you can hold that agency up as a, a case history and doing it and doing it right. And uh, mostly through John's tireless efforts and just amazing enthusiasm was he able to to make a lot of those things happen, and he's, he should be rightfully proud of all the different work that they've done. The Internet continues to be a big part of how we go to market. Uh, you know, that little screen that folks are in front of most of the day while they're at work is vitally important to us, and we're finding new and, and uh, creative breakthrough ways to get our messages in there. A lot of times those messages are messages that came out of BBDO creative and strategy sessions that found their way into the Internet uh, in, in unlikely ways. Uh, the other notion about the Internet is that it allows people to be literally one click away from doing whatever they need to do with us and with FedEx.com, which is still a world-class site doing tons of business each and every day. Uh, and with 60,000, 80,000 pages of content and advice, it's, it's pretty much the one-stop shop for everything you need for shipping. John? Well, I think the... Um I guess the right catchphrase is there's no I in team. And while BBDO doesn't actually do all 360 degrees worth of communications, um, we do work really hard to get everybody together in the strategic phase to make sure that the right partners are talking to each other and uh, in concert with 
our colleagues in Memphis so that as we leave the starting gates of a campaign or an initiative, we make sure that everybody understands sort of what their roles and responsibilities are. I think that's really important just from a blueprint standpoint. And then everybody goes off and executes, and whereas we can help some of FedEx's other partners and vice versa, we really do work together neatly as a team to make sure that we're sharing information, sharing creativity, and making sure that it all holds together in the end. Yeah, I guess uh, with uh, with that, Ray, are we going to call it a call it a day with this? Yeah, segment? we can. I, I the, the the thing that strikes me here most is you get two great brands, you put them together, and look how it works. What a concept, huh? Congratulations, guys, doing a great job, uh, both with FedEx and with BBDO. And uh, thanks for being here on the advertising show as well. It's Ray Shillings and uh, Brad Forsythe, and uh, we've got to, we've got a moment here before we have to break, Brad. Uh, tell me who we have coming up a little bit later on this hour. Can you do that? Well, put me on the spot, will you? We've got the bump music happening, but we have a gentleman by the name of Donald Gunn who is the uh, joined Leo Burnett London back in '62. I could read his uh, read his entire bio. How much Let's do we have to do it. here? Let's do it. Uh, we'll take a break right now and be back in just a minute on the advertising show. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. I drink Dr. Pepper and I'm proud. I used to be alone in a crowd. But now you look around these days. There seems to be a Dr. Pepper craze. I'm a pepper, he's a pepper, she's a pepper, we're a pepper. Wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? I'm a pepper, he's a pepper, she's a pepper. If you drink Dr. Pepper, you're a pepper too. Great guests, huh, Brad? Yeah. This has been a, a blast uh, doing this live here. Uh, can't say we've had everything go off without a hitch. Well, but you know what? A hitch is good. Yeah. A hitch in time stays. When you're at the Super Bowl of advertising, you know, you're going to get a few uh, high hits, low hits, and a few clippings. And that's where where we're at in Nashville. Last time we did this, it was in May of uh, last year, and we were in Dallas, which is, I think, a great city. But Nashville is a a good rival for uh, for Dallas. And uh, we are back uh, this segment, and uh, we'll have Donald stay with us for the next segment as well. Donald Gunn is the founder of the Gunn Report, established in 1999. The Gunn Report is an annual analysis of all relevant advertising award contests in the world, national, regional, and global, uh, the world's top 32 shows for television and top 20 shows for print. Uh, the report combines the winner's list from all the major advertising awards contests in the world to establish annual worldwide league tables for the advertising industry. It's important. Uh, Gunn has also uh, created the Gun Report Library, which is a collaboration and a collection of the world's most uh, preeminent ads dating back to 1962. My goodness, that's got to be good. Pre- uh, prior to the creation of the Gun Report, Donald was the former creative director worldwide for Leo Burnett, yeah. another agency. Right. How about that? He was also a former CEO of Cons. So, uh, Donald, welcome to the advertising show. Well, uh, thank you very much for inviting me, and I await some questions. Well, yeah, I wanted to, let's just jump into it here, Donald. I'm curious, how did you come up for the idea for the Gun Report? Well, you know, that's a question my wife asks me just about every day. <laughs> when you leave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, because I'm, I am meant to be retired, I did retire from Leavenet in 1998, then did a couple of years part-time as the president of, of the Cannes Festival. And, oh. But then I thought, well, I really am retired now, but then I just woke up one morning and had this idea that it would be interesting to do and also interesting to make such, such a reel of the 100 most awarded commercials every year. And um, I guess having worked in advertising for 35 years... 
when you have a good idea that you like, you're conditioned to make it happen. So I just started doing it. So if you uh, want to learn more, by the way, about Donald's uh, uh, service, it's uh, gunreport.com, and I'm sure it's a very thorough and deep uh, website that talks about all of these various uh, awards uh, events that you rank and give the high side and low side, etc.? Yes, although, well, it's not a very um, uh, flashy-looking website, but the other thing is what we don't do, um, we've never, ever revealed to anyone, whether uh, the press or even um, CEOs of big networks, what the shows that are counted are, because, I mean, it's easy to guess for people who know, you know how good shows are and how serious they are, but it would be very unfair on the shows that aren't counted. So well, there goes my next question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like who, who doesn't get included? But I guess we'll have to skip over that. What uh, criteria do you use to analyze uh, various competitions? Well, well basically, it's, it's the consensus of the jury's decisions from all the shows. Um, you know, so we, we actually compile together what the jurors decide. We do obviously um, um, weight the shows in terms of having different cutoff levels. So in a very, very major show that all the world enters, um, we might count all the golds, all the silvers, and all the bronzes, whereas in a national show from a smaller market, we might count the eight or ten golds only. So do you categorize these according to a worldwide brand versus a national versus a local brand? Yes. I guess you'd have to. Or y- yes, yeah, but they get the same points. And uh, in this sense, um, you know, the gun report has got quite a big affinity with the way the addies work because we, we recognize there's different perspectives um, locally or nationally and regionally or district-wise and uh, globally or nationally in a big market, mm-hmm. um, and that these are different but also equally important. Well, your wife told me before you came on today that even though you're retired, now you're just tired, <laughs> not just retired but tired because you're still working so hard. Well, that would be an exaggeration. She thinks I am, but in fact, um, I would say that uh, Mike, who's my uh, brother-in-law and publisher, you can see out there, is the one who works hard. Yeah. And also, uh, Mike's wife, my sister-in-law, is the one who does the database. And I work the least of the three. But I do have the pleasure of going to some great places like here in Thailand for the Ad First and Golden Drum in Slovenia. Let's take so a break here on the advertising show. Donald, we can take a break here for uh, a few commercials. How about that, huh? On the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth as we continue our live broadcast from the American Advertising Federation, the 100th Annual Celebration and Convention, live from Nashville. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show. Robert P. Soup Anderson, and here with me are the non-identical twins, Happy and Pee-wee. Hiya, Hiya soup fans, soup fans everywhere. everywhere. The gentlemen here are going to demonstrate how we split peas for our soup rather than crush them and lose the flavor. Yes. You notice the other intricate machinery, the, the pea soup, or the pea sorter. And I thought so, that one was a dud. That's right, an automatic reject. 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 <laughs> it's Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, back with you. Hey, by the way, we're uh, we're going to bring um, 
We're going to bring uh, Donald Gunn back uh, tomorrow as yes. well as we yes. stream the show uh, live at theadvertisingshow.com. Hope you're having a good time listening to the show. This is an incredible afternoon. It's really a uh, level of excitement that continues to build here at the 100th uh, uh, anniversary of the American Advertising Federation. Great city to hold it in here in Nashville. Before we get back to uh, our interview, and we're uh, bringing on Andy Young, who is a uh, Senior Director of Advertising and Media Services at Kellogg, K-E-L-L-O-Double Good Company. has been with Kellogg since 97. I want to say a special thanks to the folks at Skyline for all of the, the things that they've done for us here at the uh, uh, at the event today. And uh, Michael Timish is the Senior Marketing Manager with uh, Skyline. i got to tell you something. These guys know how to do it right. You know what I mean? It makes it not only get it to look good, but get it functional, to, add, to answer problems and so on and so forth. So we highly invite you to call a Skyline if you happen to be in the uh, uh, trade show business or just for some uh, marketing advice in terms of uh, getting your product out there on the trade show floor. As we said, Andy is a Senior Director of Advertising and Media Services at Kellogg and has been with Kellogg since 97. He headed the development and the national launch of Kellogg's Raisin Brand Crunch, one of the most successful new product launches in the company's history and the breakfast cereal category. That's pretty uh, that's pretty cool. Good Thank job. You. Good Thank job. You. Yeah. In fact, uh, I understand you, is it you have completed or are you about to do your uh, food marketing under fire workshop? Did it take place today, tomorrow? When is that? Uh, it's tomorrow morning after the breakfast. Tomorrow. The sponsor, yes. So for those that may be listening and planning on attending uh, or, or maybe not being able to attend, what, what are some of the high points of what's going on in the food marketing industry today in particular that seems to be controversial in your world? Uh, controversial is a, a, a word to use. Challenging is another one. Um, certainly, we're under fire for a lot of issues in terms of content of our products, sugar quality, salt, calories, things like that. But um, we have reformulated the food industry in the last two years, has reformulated 3,500 products to reduce sugar contents and make the products better, better for consumers, and we're, as an industry, very proud of that. Yeah, and very well should be. I know uh, uh, the hydrogenated uh, products that were all the craze 20, 30 years ago are now uh, far and few between, and Kellogg, among other companies, are really making a, a move in the right direction. I, I, nothing, nothing, not to uh, single out any one particular company, uh, Andy, but I'm curious, why do you think it took so long for major companies, food producers, to, to respond? I don't think it took so long for us to respond. We've been responding to consumer needs daily. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's an ongoing part of our business. It's the government pressure and the government look at things like childhood obesity and things like that that have come into the foreground that have changed the landscape for us and right. have put us in a little bit of different light. It's kind of interesting when you take a forward look back and put in retrospect how you have responded to things that uh, that changes the landscape quite a bit. Yeah, I guess my point is is that it seems that, you know, it's too bad, but I think a vast majority of many consumers out there will eat whatever you put on the shelf. And once you take a more uh, proactive role in making certain that your products are more healthy, that in turn those that really are just buying the products, regardless of what actually goes into them, are going to be the ultimate beneficiaries of a more healthy product. And I, that, that's my point. Not We've always taken a very proactive role. I mean, we do so much consumer research and everything that goes into our fruit products to satisfy consumer needs. And right. when consumer needs switch and change, we try to react to them as quickly as possible. As an industry and as a company, we do our best. Is it any more expensive to 
make these products more healthy today than they were four or five years ago, generally speaking? Uh, generally speaking, yes, because we put more research, development, repackaging, reformulation, different product sizes. I mean, when any time you change anything, it's going to take, you're going to put cost into the structure. Right. And, of your cost of goods. And, and yet you have to hold the same price point, I would imagine. Yes, we do. Yeah. And yet still meet that consumer need that is still out there. So People want foods that taste good, and things that taste good have certain parameters to them. A long-term investment for companies like Kellogg that will eventually see the benefit, I assume. Kellogg and our peer companies are yeah. all in the same boat. We're yeah. all in the same boat. So, uh, yeah, uh, the food industry has been under fire, uh, and, and not fairly so, I believe, with regard to children obesity issues. Uh, Ray and I have talked on the show here with uh, many uh, marketing people behind major fast food companies, food producers like yourself, Mm -hmm. and my goodness, uh, don't the parents play a role in what actually goes into the child's mouth and therefore, uh, for some reason, it's so easy to lay that off on fast food companies or food producers, and just curious what your take is on that. It's an easy scapegoat. I mean, it was easy to point the finger at McDonald's when the woman spilled a cup of hot coffee on her lap and sued yeah. McDonald's for $140 million 15 years ago. Um, parents do have a role. I mean, parents do have responsibilities to what they feed their children and how they feed their children, how they provide nutritional balance for their children. Bottom line is, is you look at something like childhood obesity and sugar consumption over the past 40 years in kids has increased 1%. Really? 1% over 40 years. Sedentary behavior with yeah. children has increased 15%, and we wonder what the issue is. I think it's pretty straightforward. I, I had not heard that statistic. It's very interesting. Uh, public affairs initiatives enhance their uh, companies that are struggling with uh, image issues. And, again, I, uh, wherever you come down on that, I think unfairly so. The, the fast food industry and food companies in general have taken a major hit on that. I'm curious, what uh, new... Public affairs, uh, public relations in- initiatives, does Kellogg's have underway relative to any of the products or services? Of you? Well, we certainly do our, our, our part on our own behalf to, to do the public relations and the government affairs things, but we also rely very heavily upon organizations like the American Advertising Federation, the Ad Council, the 4As, and the ANA, which are our representative organizations within these groups that have the lobbying positions in Washington to speak on our behalf, to speak on behalf of the food companies and consolidate all the good news that we're doing in terms of reformulation of food products, providing better-for-you products, and to bring that message forward. It's, it's not just one company doing one thing. It's multiple companies doing multiple things collectively in a very forward and consumer-friendly fashion. Yeah. And uh, the, the uh, low-carb craze of a few years ago, where, where are we Done. with that? Yeah? Done. Good. Goodbye. Done. <laughs> it, seemed like, uh, you know, it seemed like we consumers, or at least we more sophisticated consumers, were watching a lot of major companies chase that. And by the time we saw it going away, they had so much, so much momentum going towards that particular market that it was kind of hard to put the brakes on for some of these companies. It was, and we introduced Low Carb Special K. Uh, our, our competitor, General Mills, introduced Low Carb Total. A lot of companies put out third less sugar varieties of a lot of the uh, uh, kid products that we have out there. And quite honestly, they're dying at retail. They don't meet the consumer needs states that we're trying to that we're trying to satisfy. So once again, things like you know, carbohydrates. All of a sudden, carbohydrates are really, really bad. Then all of a sudden, they're really, really good when something like whole grain comes out and everything's focused on whole grain. I think as a company or as a country, we shift so rapidly here to there to there to there on things like cholesterol, things like fats, things like salt, things like sugar. First of all, it's good for you. Then it's bad for you. It's it's 
it's a dog's breakfast when it really comes right. down to it. Well, I know uh, Ray, my co-host here, has never switched off of the European high-calorie <laughs> import beer. That, in spite of the light beer crave, the craze, the domestic beer craze. Oh, you stick with something when you like it. Right? That's true. Okay. Good for you. That's exactly. true. Exactly. You guys are doing a great job too with the, with the food. Uh, I was got, wanted to ask you, what are you having for breakfast tomorrow before this uh, event? You know, we actually sponsor the breakfast with the American Advertising Federation. Tony the Tiger will be here. We will certainly be serving Frosted Flakes as well as Special K. We'll have a lot of our cereal bar products and a lot of our new products. We're in the fruit snacks category now yeah. for the first time in 18 months, and uh, hope to provide a very broad array of products for all the consumers and all the attendees for this convention to uh, participate in uh, partaking in. Very good. That was a great answer. That's true. We call that the shameless plug portion of the show. No Very doubt good about job. it. You were expecting anything less. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, thank you so thank much, you, Andy. Uh, Thank you for being a part of the advertising show. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Ray Schillens, Brad Forsyth here at the uh, the uh, American Advertising Federation National Conference. Uh, thank you very much, Andy. Uh, American Advertising Federation, uh, we're, we're in honky-tonk heaven. Did you know that? Well, I We're woke, in honky-tonk heaven. I woke up there this morning. Did you really? <laughs> Was the bed spinning, Brad? Yeah. <laughs> we have, uh, we have uh, another uh, very special guest to bring up, and we do have a couple of minutes before the top of the hour, so why don't we get Murray to come down and, and play You're on the New Price is Right, whatever Murray Gaylord, VP Brand Marketing at Yahoo. Uh, Yahoo is here at the American Advertising Federation uh, event here in Nashville. And uh, in his role, Murray Gaylord is focused on continuing to build and enhance Yahoo's global brand. Among the uh, teams that uh, Gaylord leads are the creative department, trade and broadcast services, marketing, and community relations. A veteran of the advertising industry, Murray uh, joined Yahoo in March of 2000 to develop and uh, lead Yahoo's initiative to form comprehensive relationships with advertising agencies and represent Yahoo. That's a lot to be said there for you, Murray. In the advertising community, Gaylord has played a major role in the advertising industry's effort to create new standards, guidelines, and terms and conditions for online advertising. So uh, we are happy to have uh, Murray as a, as a special guest here. And uh, that's actually mine. But, uh, yeah. You can, you're, there we go. You can have that. Yeah, Murray, I wanted to uh, thank you and welcome to the show, by Pleasure the way. To be. Yeah, I understand uh, Yahoo is a major sponsor this year for the right. student competition. Can you bring us up to date on, uh, first of all, what was the decision behind sponsoring the student competition here at AAF this year? Well, it's a it's an extraordinary program that, um, that I became aware of about four years ago when I joined um, the AAF, and having seen it over the years, I've seen that it's just, um, it's something that is a very powerful opportunity for us on several reasons. One, um, Yahoo, like many or virtually all media companies have great interest in the teen market. So we wanted to um, to put out an assignment where the students would be um, focused on how do they get more engagement, how do we get more engagement with Yahoo with teens. So that was the assignment. But it was an opportunity for us to, to first engage with a number of college students to have them working on our brand to give us some ideas and so forth. The other part we wanted to do, the reason we wanted to do it is you know the AAF and the and their support of all the universities that are doing this program is an important part for the advertising community and we just thought that they were looking for a sponsor and we thought it just was made sense on on both levels you know we had Wally uh, Snyder on earlier chairman of the American Ad Federation and certainly Yahoo seems like such a natural to be the sponsor of the student competition I'm curious you, you mentioned the uh, 
having the students work on actual real problems and solving uh, problems for Yahoo and creating campaigns and so forth. Specifically, what are you expecting to see out of the student competition? And the bigger question is, do you actually expect to put any of this to, to use? Well, the, the second part is absolutely we will be putting some of it to use. The um, the students have been working for nine months on, on this, um, so they've done an enormous amount of research. We've gotten, and we'll have the benefit of all the research, all of the ideas will go to Yahoo because it's um, it's part of what, you know, we get out of the sponsorship. So there are ideas that we've heard yesterday, and we've got, you know, more judging tomorrow. And I am certain I've got a list of things that are just great ideas that we'll be using over the next year or so. Will this stay within Yahoo, Inc., or will you share that with your advertising agency? How, well, how will you something, you know, our advertising agency is judging along with us. So they're um, they're here, they're excited about it, and, um, and like the ideas we've been getting so far. Yeah, we're going to have to take a break here in just a minute. I was hearing music in the background. I thought it was our... Uh... Oh, it's not? Oh, wait. Here's our there music. How about that? Hey, Murray, thank you for being here today on the Advertising Show. And at the American Advertising Federation, there are so many things going on today and tomorrow. And on Tuesday, of course, we've got the uh, the Eddie Awards coming up on uh, Tuesday evening as well. We'll tell you about that in just a minute. Back in just a moment. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Colgate toothpaste, the tooth toughener. How can that be? Well, it contains advanced MFP fluoride. It's the only toothpaste that does, and it does toughen tooth enamel. With tougher enamel, the children won't have so many cavities. It's that simple. Colgate with MFP fluoride. And Doug, uh, back in the studios, uh, if, uh, if if you would uh, tell Andy Borowitz that he's going to be on the air, that would be a great idea. Hey, Brad, this has been a lot of fun, and it's so uh, sad that we've only got a couple of hours to cover all these things because we have so many more people that we'd love to talk to. Yeah. Uh, what's going to happen tomorrow, uh, we're going to give you a chance to uh, go to the advertisingshow.com and actually hear and see... Uh, some more interviews uh, beginning at uh, the 10.30, 11.30 Eastern uh, tomorrow morning with uh, with uh, Mark Tutsell, uh, Deputy Chief Creative Officer, Leo Burnett, uh, Tim Love. Are we going to have Wally back here, too? We're going to get here? Wally back. Okay, good. Al Schultz, uh, uh, Tom Kwan, Jim Sheridan, and uh, we've got a bunch of others as well. But right now, before we go any further, I want to make sure we have time for Andy. Uh, let's, uh, let's get Andy rolling here on the advertising show. Hi, this is Andy Borowitz for The Advertising Show. And now, here's this week's feature from The Borowitz Report. Over 2,000 of the world's leading scientists converged on Oslo, Norway, to attend a conference devoted to one of modern science's most baffling phenomena, the continuing popularity of hotel heiress Paris Hilton. In the recent years, Miss Hilton's worldwide fame has puzzled scientists, been at a loss to explain the gathering celebrity of a person who, by most measures, does not possess a distinctive talent, ability, or personality. But as the hotel heiress's popularity has reached critical mass over the past 12 months, some of the most prominent voices in the scientific community called for the Oslo Conference, which had been originally slated to discuss global warming, to focus on Miss Hilton's career instead. The University of Tokyo's Dr. Hiroshi Kiyosuke, who wrote the definitive work on how the universe was created, is among the scientists in Oslo baffled by Paris Hilton's surging success. 
I have a much clearer idea of how the solar system came to be than I do about Paris Hilton, Dr. Kiyosuke said. As seemingly insoluble a mystery as Paris Hilton is, however, Dr. Kiyosuke hopes that the scientist in Oslo will come away with at least a workable theory of Miss Hilton's allure. The better we understand how and why Paris Hilton got here, the easier it will be to predict when she'll go away. Elsewhere, Carl Edward Rowland, the man who spent 56 hours perched on a crane above Atlanta's Buckhead District, said this past week that he was only trying to beat a record set by the magician David Blaine. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of the Borowitz Report from the Advertising Show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on. Well, Ray, that's... Well, we'll just come back here. Log on to BorowitzReport.com. Yes. That's exactly right. Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, back with the advertising show. Uh, just a, a couple of minutes left here. Let's hope we didn't lose our audio. Yeah. But, uh, I'll keep my fingers crossed, uh, Doc. You know, we have the awards uh, banquet coming up here uh, Tuesday night, I guess, and I know you're going to plug that in particular, Ray, because uh, at least this year we will be emceeing the uh, Addy Awards National Competition and yeah, that's uh, that's Tuesday evening at uh, seven o'clock. Uh, it's presented by Yahoo, sponsored by ABC, Ad Cases, The Advertising Show, uh, FedEx, and a bunch more great uh, uh, things as well. Also, going to have the Student Addy Awards, and this is going to be exciting too. And by the way, we will be streaming this event on our site, theadvertisingshow.com, and on aaf.org. Okay, so uh, we'll be doing that. And if you're here, by the way, it's in the Tennessee Ballroom. <laughs> right. And we'll make that announcement for you. But it's been a lot of fun to meet all these uh, folks again. Many, uh, many of the folks that we've had on today are, uh, you know, folks that we've had a chance to uh, touch base with uh, last May. Exactly. John Osborne, uh, president and CEO of uh, BBDO New York in particular. We also had Wally Snyder for an encore appearance as well. And thank you to Mary Bennett with RAB, Donald Gunn with the Gun Report, Steve Chico. Pachico, Director yeah, Pachico of Advertising right, yeah. for FedEx, and as we already mentioned, John Osborne, BBDO. So it's been great uh, being here. And also want to say thanks to uh, to Tracy Prater and, uh, and and his crew for putting everything together here, too. And, and thank you to you, too. I wave at the Keith camera. Right, uh, and also I want to say thanks to our friends at Skyline. Again, uh, Michael Timish. Uh, visit Skyline.com if you want to find out uh, more about that. Good organization. We've had fun today, and we hope uh, you have enjoyed it as well. The Advertising Show is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at age.com. The Advertising Show is a big radio midgets productions. We continue live here from the American Advertising Federation's big event, 100th anniversary celebration in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Join us on the web, won't you?